Welcome to our Panini. This is Saratova Best. We are in the motivation series based on Parsha's Kisisa, Tushin and Base. I think this is part six. And today we're going to speak about what happens when things fall apart. And really to give a very uh, clear example, as we've been recording this call, um, everything a little went a little bit haywire. The call was fading in and out. The recording was in and out. And we had to really hang up and start all over again. So exactly what we're learning is exactly what happened. Perfect, right? So we get to um, we get to test it out. So what we're going to discuss today is exactly that. When you fall into phase two, phase one we said is you're motivated to do something, and with this incredible motivation of what you're going to accomplish, wow, we're all going to explore this topic today in Hasidus together, wow, that's phase one. And then phase two, oh boy, the phone doesn't work, nothing's working properly. Hey, what are you going to do? Um, when that happens, what do we feel? So I would say that the old Gullus reaction is divided into two. Some people, people are kind of trained one of two ways. Some people will always say he, she was wrong. And other people will always say I was wrong. So, for instance, if you have a 1.30 doctor's appointment, you show up at 1.30 and they say, no, it says here 2.30. And you know that they told you 1.30. And they say, oh, um, well, yeah, it was changed to 2.30. So some people will always say, well, you should have called me. They should have. Something's wrong here. And they're... Somebody, somebody's to blame here because something went wrong. I showed up here. I turned over heaven and earth to get here at one thirty, and something's wrong. You're telling me that I have to sit here and wait for another hour. So some people will always say you did something wrong. You should have called, the the doctor's office should have called me. The secretary should have called me. You 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 know. Other people will say, well, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I call? It's just two different styles, but it's, both of them are really saying, when I fall into phase two, I'm no longer motivated, you know, I no longer feel buoyant. I feel like something went wrong. What do I do? So here in this part of the Sikha, we're going to explore the idea that maybe nothing ever went wrong. Um, I guess this is a place to tell the story that I tell all the time about a woman who said it was five in the morning. She heard something crash in the kitchen. She just went back to sleep, got up at 8 o'clock and saw that the blender was in 150 pieces all over the floor. Um, she was pretty upset. There was nobody in the house other than her husband. He clearly dropped it and left and walked out of the house. And she was upset. Uh, you know, excuse me, clean it up. That's, that's why. Number one, why are you so clumsy? Number two, why can't you clean it up? Why do you have to leave me with this mess? About an hour later, she got a call from him, and he said, Hi, here I am in Chicago. Sorry for the mess. If you remember, I had a really crucial business meeting in Chicago that was beneficial, that will hopefully be beneficial to both of us, to our whole family. I needed to make sure I don't miss the plane because I can't miss this appointment. We'll, we'll all benefit from it. When I dropped the blender, I did a calculation. The taxi's outside, 
and the taxi's honking. Another minute, another 30 seconds, he will leave. He leaves. I miss the flight. I miss the flight. I miss the appointment. I miss the appointment. I miss a huge opportunity for us to have what we need in life. So I looked at the mess on the floor, and I realized I have to honor what would make you feel happy, you know, clean it up, and miss the taxi, or vice versa. And I chose to not miss the taxi. Why? Because my bigger vision was, we will both, we will all benefit from me succeeding at this business meeting. Once she heard that, she understood. It gave her an entirely different perspective on the situation. So, and she said she was in the middle of, the woman who told this story said she's in the middle of writing a book called What If Nobody Ever Does Anything Wrong? Basically, what if you judge everybody favorably and figure, well, it looks pretty awful. It looks very inconsiderate. But maybe there's a bigger story behind what looks to me as just uh, an inconsiderate person. So this is when you're in phase two. Oh, I'm so happy he's going to that business meeting. I hope he's successful in Chicago. And then when I see the blender, that's number one. And number two phase is when I see the blender in pieces all over the floor, I'm not a happy camper whatsoever. So what is it like? What is phase two all about? So in Parsha's Kisisa, this is really, as we said, this is the template for it. Um, we lost our place here. Yes. In Parsha's Kisisa, this is the place where we're, we're, we kind of come to face um, what is phase two all about? Is it just some ugly hurdle that you have to overcome to get to the good stuff? What is it? Because in this Parsha, oh, here we go. In this Parsha, we have, as we say, in, in Parsha Tzisisa, we have the first Lukois, which are the, just this sparkly, beautiful revelation from Hashem. But then after that, we have the Cheta Ego, and then the breaking of the Lukois. And then after that, and everything we have to do to get back in favor with Hashem. And then after that, we have the second Luchos. So it's these extremes. So what is it? What are we finding out from this? What is being? What what are we, we being empowered in? These three parts: this Aleph base Gimel. Again, we said the, the Aleph, the dream base, the body of the thing Gimel. Everything comes together. So what is the base phase, phase two? What is that all about? The first one, in motivation, you have to have a dream. You need that for motivation. But why do you need the the darkness, the mess up? How is that helping you in your motivation? Where does it fit in? The base is not only about the fact that Hashem created the world. But everything that comes out of the fact that Hashem had a blueprint, created a blueprint, and then from that, the Torah, and from that he created the world. And in this world, there are a lot of problems that occur as a result of Hashem, the Tzimtzum, Hashem contracting himself in order to make a world. We can have problems even all the way to the Cheta Ego, the breaking of the Luchais. The, essentially, this world makes, makes room for it, enables 
losing sight of your whole incredible sparkly vision. How do we know? What do you mean? The first luchais, that's the sparkly vision. That's the Torah. That's the Torah. That's the blueprint. They were broken. That's called losing sight of your sparkly vision. Why does, why does Hashem create a world that deprives you of your sparkly vision and your sparkly motivation? So Chassidus explains, and this is really the Nekudah, Nora Alila al Adam, meaning Hashem pushed us. When? First sin, Chet Eitzadas, sin of the tree of knowledge. We had a lot of possibilities. You could eat from every tree except for, the, from, for, except for this one tree. And even this one tree, you have to hold off until Shabbos. How come we couldn't hold off? It seems like, you know, there's a lot of other good stuff to eat. And there's a lot of other spiritual inspiration. You know, you have to go to the one forbidden one. You know, Adam and Chava, I mean, what's your deal? You, you know, you could say in, in, in modern language, you know, what's your issue? Just... Anybody could have resisted. What was your issue? So that's like us when we say, what was I thinking when I messed up? What was I thinking that I said that to her or that I did that or that I thought that? What was I thinking? And now I created a big disaster, right? Sound familiar? If you've never, ever asked yourself, what was I thinking when I said that or when I did that? Now I got myself into a real mess. If you've never experienced it, okay, so <laughs> hats off to you. But for most of us, we experience, what was I thinking when I got into step phase two and I messed up everything? What is it? What's going on? Says Chassidus, Adam, Hashem pushed us. You ever see those um, replays of football games where um, – I saw one once. They, um, one of the players, as somebody was running to the basket with the ball, one of the players from the other side just very slightly put his foot out and tripped the player who was running with the ball from the other team. And they replayed it a thousand times on the news, and, and it was considered a big scandal. And, you know, who knows... I don't know. I don't really care about football. So whatever came as a result of that, but everybody saw he tripped him. He tripped him. Why did he trip him? He wanted him to lose. Wanted him to lose. Why did he want him to lose? Because he wanted his own team to win. Oh, okay. Now, we don't see Hashem as that. That was awfully vindictive and ugly. We don't see Hashem, and Hashem is not, God forbid, ugly and vindictive. So why would Hashem, so to speak, push us, Nora Lila al-Bnei so to speak, tip the scale just so slightly that it was very difficult for Adam and Chava to resist eating from that one tree? The, 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 the scales were tipped slightly in favor of them, so to speak, messing up. Why? Why is it that sometimes the Yetzirah will overwhelm the person, overcome the person, and he'll do the wrong thing. And it's because because the Yetzirah and the strength, the, the 
Yetzirah is strengthened from above to make it easier for us to mess up than to do the right thing. And it's a real concept. Now, wait. Hashem is the essence of goodness. He does that. This is not the football team. This is God himself. So, if we leave that on the side, let's, you know, before we finish judging Hashem, now let's go back to judging ourselves. We feel like, ah, oh, I always mess up. I can't believe it. You know, my my cousin said I always do self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is a big thing in this generation that people are aware of. You know, you're about to get this and this and this, and you do something really foolish to mess it up. It's so common. So what's it all about? So here the Rebbe is saying, Yidin mitzad asmam are klal the klal not shayach to the inin of chet chas v'shalom. Can you imagine? Yidin in, in of, of themselves are in no way really shayach to the inin of a chet chas v'shalom. We are not sinners. Jewish people are not sinners. We are chela kelekami mal mamash, one with Hashem. And therefore, it's not our natural, although the rest of the world would say it's the natural download of everybody to do the wrong thing and they're lucky if they ever do the right thing. For a Jew, says Hasidus, it's the natural download of a Jew to do the thing that connects him to Hashem the most. It's an unnatural thing. So unnatural is klal the klal, not shayach, for a Jew to do a sin. Then how does he do it? The whole Indian comes is because of Hashem Bechasta Hagadol in his great Chesed wants to bring us to a much higher Aliyah. Higher than our natural situation. And therefore, what does he do? Alila Nitla Bay. He sort of pushes us to fall into the fall into the wrong choice and we fall temporarily as it says, he abandons us for a split second, so to speak. And the chetzainis, in an external way, it looks like that. It looks like he abandons us. He really doesn't. It looks to our eyes as if he does. And he does, so that we can actually have the possibility of messing up. And why? Would Hashem want us to do that? To bring us to an aliyah, that's, to an elevation that's incomparably higher. And not just an elevation for a small moment, like, uh, for a small moment, but something eternal. Hashem wants us to, to, wants to bring us to an elevation that is eternal, forever. So there won't ever be any interruption after that. That's the way it's going to be in the Geula. The Geula comes after a great Descent in Gullus. After a great descent in Gullus, you have an eternal Geula for which, that has no Gullus afterwards. And Adarabba, after that, there are more elevations, one after another after another. It's called Yelchu Michael Chayel Yirel So, there's a principle that every descent is for the purpose of an ascent, right? That one we're familiar with. But when it comes to the Jewish people, the Yerida, the descent itself, in truth, is not a descent. Again, 
I'm going to repeat the words. I'm going to read it in Yiddish. Nisif of Demklal was called Yerida's Tzarech Aliyah. In addition to the principle that every Yerida is for an Aliyah, is Benaged to Yidin. When it comes to Yidin, the Yerida Alein is Be'emes Ken Yeridinit. The descent for a Yid is in truth not really a descent. Oh yeah? So what is it? Nor der veg to an aliyah nelis yaiser shalabeerach. It is the pathway to an elevation, much, an infinitely higher elevation. Now this is a revolution, these words. It's re- basically, the Rebbe is saying, if you are a yid, you actually don't fall into pits. It's not falling into a pit, it looks like you're falling into a pit. What you're doing is you're lifting up to a higher level, but it comes through the medium of looking like you just fell into a pit. But it's a fake falling into a pit. You know, I'll tell you a cute, cute Indian and then go back to it to, to explain it. Many years ago, I think it was my oldest child, Baruch Hashem, somebody came into our apartment and I was kind of yelling at him. I said, ah, you, you know, not the person, the, the little child. Why do you do this, this, and this? So there's an Indian. I shouldn't laugh. There's an Indian that you're supposed to, you're not supposed to be angry. You're supposed to wait till you calm down and then, um, and then you're supposed to fake your anger for the purpose of disciplining somebody. So, so the guest walked in and said, oh my goodness, you fake your anger so, uh, so realistically. That's so impressive how you, you're so good at faking your anger. You know, it was meant as a, uh, you know, kind of a funny little jibe, jab. So the point is, when a yid falls into a pit, he really hasn't. He's faking it. A yid is always on the way higher. But it comes through him looking like he just fell down and, and, and messed up. But on some level, a yid cannot mess up. That's a revolution. No, nobody, else, nobody else says that. You have to see this in a sicha. It's a, it's, it, it's a geula way of understanding reality. This is the Rebbe's way. This is the Lubavitch Rebbe's way of expressing it to us from the deepest level of Tyre. And, and I'll read this other paragraph in Yiddish. So when we come to the chet ego, the sin of the golden calf, which is like the sin of the tree of knowledge, you know, first you have the sin of the tree of knowledge, and then later on, 2,500 years later, you have the sin of the golden calf. It says in Gemara, and listen to these words carefully, La'asu Yisrael es the Jewish people did not do create the golden calf other than for the purpose of opening up the mouth, the way for Balei Tshuva. In order for there to be Balei Tshuva, they were given the possibility of creating a golden calf as a means of becoming Balei Tshuva. So what was really going on with the golden calf? The rest of the world would say they really did a very bad Avera, a very bad Chait. They worshipped the golden calf. Chassidus says, no, 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 no. That's not the really, really. The really, really is they were attempting to become Balei Tshuva, so they did it through the medium of what looked like a Chait, 
which isn't something you're supposed to do, but that was the only way they could get there. What was really going on? They were becoming Balei Tshuva. How did they do it? Through the medium of this Chet Egel, the sin of the golden calf. And not only that, so how do we know that's true? Lahayu Yisrael Roim Laisa Maisa. The Jewish people were not fit, uh, were not um, on the level of this deed of the golden calf. Then what? Nor Gzeris Hamelachaisa. It was. It came from above. It was a decree from the king, from Melach Malchay Amlachim, from Hashem, that pushed us to do the golden calf. He pushed us. Why did he push us? To open the mouth of Bali Tshuva. To give us the possibility to become Bali Tshuva. This is what Chassidus says. We really weren't fit. We weren't, after Mas and Taira, we could not do that grungy, a, a chait, a sin. That wasn't even our intent. We, it doesn't, we're not capable of it. Our systems can't really produce that kind of darkness. We are one with Hashem. We have to kind of fake it. And what was really happening was that we were trying to become Balei Tshuva. Remember, we had just been given the Taira from Hashem, a very sparkly revelation from above, the first Luchos. And I guess that there was some, this is my understanding of it, there was something in us that sensed that we hadn't earned this unbelievable, um, we had this unbelievable revelation from Hashem of giving us the Torah and the first Luchos. It was so lofty and so high, I guess in some way we didn't feel like we deserved it. How would we ever pay Hashem back? And it didn't feel grounded and stable. It was too top-heavy for us. It was too top-heavy. You know, if you're Jewish, you always feel like you have to earn things. And, yet, you know, we're not great with free gifts. In fact, a Jew just doesn't like free gifts. You know, sometimes you'll bring somebody a gift and they'll say, oh, you're so silly, you didn't have to do that. I wanted to bring you a gift. We're not really, as Jewish people, comfortable with gifts. We want to earn everything. So on some level, it looked like when we received the Torah, we felt like we hadn't earned it. And that put us in distress. And we needed to make it more grounded. So we had received stage Aleph, stage one, sparkly revelation from Hashem, Mazen Torah, first Luchas. And something in us felt like it's too top-heavy. How, how are we going to earn it? So we went through stage two and stage three. We needed to become Balei Tshuva and really earn it, and make it much more grounded. So we, we went through the steps of what looks officially like messing up, bowing to the eagle, which for us was, according to what Hasidus is saying, this is the only way we could think of to do it. And it was really a very expensive price for us to pay spiritually, but we were so desperate to become Balei Tshuva that whatever it took, we just had to do even if it ended up costing us spiritually, but more more intense was our need to earn this intense revelation from above. The first luchos, too top-heavy, We it's like we needed the second luchos, which came from below, from the people, from Maishra Benu. 
And then we felt more grounded, more stable, that we've earned it, even if we earned ourselves a lot of punishment. That's a Jew. That's the way we do things. And that's emphasized in the letter base of Bracious, which the base includes this descent and the chait. That from the etzim inyan, it brings that when you're in the, the, the phase two, base phase, you know that by definition it was preceded by an aleph, a naichi. That means that when you're in phase two, the base phase, when you're in the, the what looks to be a descent, it's really only a second phase that comes after the aleph, that comes after the beautiful sparkly vision. And it brings you to the gimel. So for a Jew, we live in two realms, the Aleph vision and the grounded Gimel vision. And we have to go through this descent, what looks to be a descent. That's the way Jews live. And so there's an unbelievable Mila to phase two. And when we want to be motivated to achieve in a powerful way, we will be taken through stage two. And that becomes a part of the motivation to have a grounded motivation in a way that's way beyond anything else. It's the core of Yiddishkeit. We are people who are used to messing up. You're wrong and you're wrong and everybody tells everybody off. You know, just go on, you know, you know, the side of the highway in Israel and everybody, you know, they jump out of their cars and and everybody's telling everybody off, you know, what's wrong with you? That's the way we do it. Why? We're going from, we want to be deeply grounded in our connection to what's good and right. So we tell each other off. And the rest of the world, they don't do it so much. Because we, when we're living in phase two, uh, as, as Yidden, in the base phase, where it seems like everybody's angry and discontented and all this other stuff, it's a fake. It's just a highway to get us to a grounded type of um, motivation. So let's just say, that as we go into this phase, we should understand deeply what it is and use it to its fullest. Kaifas is not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. We're used to it being negative, but if we move into a gula way of thinking, it opens up entirely new vistas and motivation. And we say, Hashem, we're ready for that vista in the Aleph and the base and the Gimel phase. We're in the base phase now of history, and it's getting, it looks darker than ever. And But what's really happening is we're stepping into the Gimel, the Gimel Geula, the third phase, the third base of Mizish, and may it be immediately now.